and welcome. I'm Amanda Zulu, one of the intern psychologists from the Student Counseling Unit at the University of Pretoria. I'm honored to host the fifth podcast episode in our Mental Health and Wellbeing podcast series, proudly brought to you by the Student Counseling Unit. This podcast series has been specifically created to enhance the mental health and well-being of our UP students. Please note that this podcast episode does not constitute therapy or counseling, nor does it replace formal professional mental health care service. Our podcast episode today is titled Self-Compassion, the Ultimate Health Guide, the inner voice as the supportive friend. So research shows that Self-compassion can lower levels of anxiety and depression. People who are self-compassionate tend to recognize their suffering and are kinder to themselves at these times, which can reduce anxiety and related depressive symptoms. Other benefits of self-compassion include an increase in motivation, happiness, improvement in body image, enhanced self-worth, and greater levels of resilience. Furthermore, it it is emphasized that self-compassion is a healthier alternative than self-esteem, as it fosters a type of self-worth that doesn't require people to evaluate themselves based on social comparisons. For this podcast episode today, we will explore some of the following. What self-compassion is, the common self-compassion skills, how self-compassion can help us with our mental health, and how we can practically implement self-compassion in our daily lives. For this episode, we are honored to have Mr. Mark Joseph with us today. He is the lead innovator and content creator for Mindful Revolution, a mindfulness-based corporate service provider to many of the leading financial and corporate giants in SA. Mr. Mark Joseph first started to practice mindfulness 20 years ago in order to cope with panic and anxiety. It was a time when very little was known medically and scientifically about the benefits of mental fitness training. Mark traveled to the East to study mindfulness and consulted various masters on the subject, including the Dalai Lama. He also lived at a Buddhist temple for three years to further his studies and meditation practice. He therefore returned to mainstream society to pursue a career in advertising, film and photography. He was the managing director of his own agency for five years before joining Mindful Revolution three years ago. Since lockdown, Mark has been working mainly online. Mindful Revolution has recently released an app called WellMind and are working on a social check-in app called Future Shift. Mark believes that the world is changing for the better and beyond the midst of a mindful revolution. Mark, thank you very much for being willing to share your expertise with us today. We really appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you for having me here today, Amanda. Um, I was really excited at receiving the the invite Mm. and it's such um, an incredible topic, actually. It's very, very close to my heart because the more I I dive into the subject, the more I realize um, how, how little is actually known on this actual topic and how often it is uh, misunderstood. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here 
um, and just to share a little bit of knowledge uh, <laughs> over the years that I've accumulated and hopefully it will help the, uh, the listeners. What is self-compassion and why is it important? <laughs> um, gosh, it's, it's, a, it, it's a very simple but very profound question. And it's really just about being kind to yourself. Mm. Um, it, it's just showing yourself as much kindness as you would your own child or your parents or a, or a friend. Mm. Um, and, and it just involves acting the same way towards yourself. When, when you're having a difficult time or when you fail or, or you notice something that you don't like about yourself, you know, I mean, you, 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 if a friend is going through a, a hard time, you would, you would sit them down, you would talk to them, you would make time for them. You wouldn't necessarily ignore their pain, would you? And yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we, it really is about telling ourselves maybe recognizing when we are in a difficult space mm. and, and, and recognizing that we can comfort and care for ourselves in, in exactly the same way as, as we would somebody else. Um, and it's really knowing how to look and care for oneself. Um, what, I, what I find is that most people haven't, the, haven't a clue what self-compassion looks like. Sure. Often it's seen as, as yeah, um, it, it's seen as like reward with pleasure, you know, mm. uh, <laughs> like eating a, eating a sweet because I had a bad day or oversleeping or, or pouring a big glass of wine or indulging in binge series watching. And, you know, and then we think, oh, I've, I've really been kind to myself by doing this. So many of us have an idea of self-compassion, which is not really serving us very well. Um, maybe I can check in with you today, Amanda. How are you doing today <laughs> on a scale of one to 10? What, what, what number would you give yourself? I would give myself an eight. <laughs> an eight. Okay, yes. great. So I didn't, I didn't sleep very well last night. Um, oh. I don't know why. My mind was actually keeping me up. So I'm probably around about a six. So you're an eight, and that's, that's, that's a great little exercise of introspection. Mm. And, and knowing, knowing if, if, you know, a lot of my clients, I check in a lot um, with, with uh, my clients online. So, sometimes, sometimes I run sessions for three, 400 people at a time. And all I can do is say, okay, how are you guys? What number do you give yourself? And then there are people on the call then numbers are like a one or a two. Sure. Yeah. Someone even said a, someone even said a zero once, Amanda. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know that if you if you check in with yourself and you know how you feel, and and this is again, a lot of people don't even know what the internal emotional landscape looks like. Yeah. If you know how you feel today, and it's pretty low, um, then then maybe we need to up the self compassion. And, 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 and if you knew someone in your family or, or in your working environment that had a low number, you, you would reach out to them and say, you know, maybe uh, they'll take you for a, for a cup of tea or a coffee or something like that. Yes. So, it's, so it's just really important to know what compassion really is. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I suppose I suppose you know when you, when we say self compassion, what is compassion? And and for me, I mean, there's so many ways to define um, compassion, but but for me, it's really the wish to see the end of suffering, and and what can I do? What can I do to to stop the suffering or to heal the suffering or to change the suffering? You know, it's I find compassion is a is a doing word. It's it's different to like pity. You know, where like oh poor me, I deserve better or they deserve better or ach shame look at them or ish or you know it 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 it, compassion is like you know what there's 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 suffering there's uh there's a problem and 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 what can i do about it whether it's a problem for my partner my child or if it's a problem in my own life am i going to ignore it am i going to sweep it under the rug or is there something that i can do um to make it better and and it's not blaming others for your condition either <laughs> that's that's not self-compassion mm-hmm. uh, i think i think that's also a bit of a default mindset a very fixed mindset of blaming other people for our sort of low mood or our low self-esteem or our low state etc understanding that people do affect us but it's really at the end of the day 90 percent of of our attitude, um, it's really how we react or how how we respond, you know. And it's ten percent really of of what's happening in life, and 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 ninety percent of how we we respond to that. Thank you so much. That was so comprehensive. That definition was so comprehensive. And thank you for walking us through the importance. Um, and as you were explaining, yeah. you know, you gave us some examples as well, which were um, very helpful. I was just wondering, what are some other examples of self-compassion skills? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back to the fact that not everybody m- might understand what self-compassion really is. We, we have an idea, but I, I think in our minds, the idea isn't correct. Um, I'm going to go slightly off, off tangents and say that there was a, a researcher who won a Nobel Prize in 2009, a scientist by the name of Elizabeth Blackburn. And um, Elizabeth Blackburn did, did a lot of research with, with um, DNA chromosomes and cells. And she found that in our chromosomes, at the, the cap of our chromosomes, little X chromosome, um, really at the caps of our chromosomes, are, 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 they're called telomeres. And she found that um, stress throughout a person's life actually affects these telomeres. So aging affects the telomeres. When we are born, we have really long pronounced telomeres on our chromosomes. And then as the cell divides, the telomeres get shorter. And, and so we, you know, they can tell how old you are because of your, the size of your telomeres. If you're really, really, really old, those telomeres will be really small. And she found that there were uh, many subjects that were experiencing extreme stress, like mothers with terminally ill children who had shorter telomeres than mothers of the same age who had children who were fine and had normal lives. Mm. And this is quite a breakthrough because she, she found the direct link between stress and longevity because 
people with shorter telomeres had a risk of terminal illness, which was far greater than, than those with longer telomeres. And she also found that people that spend time relaxing as opposed to doing some sort of work on oneself, like self-development or a practice, there's an enzyme called telomerase, which you can produce, which protects the telomeres. And relaxation didn't actually produce this enzyme, whereas self-practice and a little bit of discipline actually did produce this enzyme that protects the telomeres. And her her finding was that, you know, relaxation, even though it feels good, and like going for a spa treatment or that idyllic holiday, when when we come back from that, we actually might land up feeling more stressed. Whereas if we spend time introspection, reading, studying, being mindful, our stress levels actually come down and our telomeres regenerate to, to some degree. So, so this is really an interesting finding because, yeah, because a a lot of the time I speak to people and I say, what are you doing for self-compassion? They say, oh, you know, I'm just going to sleep all day or um, I'm going to take like a really long bath or I'm going to binge watch, you know, I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. I'm going to have a cheat day, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and I'm like, well, in terms of self-compassion, it might actually not be the best thing to do and mm. i mean there, there, there's a client of mine who, who are really I, I, it was interesting she she had a an auto response in her email that said i'm not at work today i'm having a duvet day and uh sometimes we just need to sleep you know and sometimes mm. we really do need to just relax and i get that mm. uh, and that that to me i i admire i, I really admire but but for me, as a mindfulness facilitator, and I've been exploring mindfulness for 22 years, having had my own disastrous sort of upbringing in terms of mental anxiety and panic attacks and so on, yeah. finding that daily meditation on self-compassion is key. Mm. Reprogramming the inner critic. And the first step is really to identify that there's an inner voice there's and and it's not so much people outside there beating us up it's we are we are actually doing we are we are bullies to ourselves i never realized what a bully i was until mm. i started really listening to that inner voice because i'm so busy 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 i never made time to to really get to know myself and and then the voice that's in your mind whose voice is it mm. you know is it a is it a parent? Is it a sibling? Is it an ex-lover? There's like a, there's like a critic, you know. Yeah. And 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 if you listen carefully, <laughs> if you listen carefully, what is that voice? Whose voice is it? So okay, so you ask me like some 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 examples of, of what we can do or some some skills. Identifying that 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 inner critic is is very key, and then. I, I would suggest journaling. Um, journaling is a is a huge practice for me. Um, I love journaling. I'm very much into it. Mm. And and journaling, like just write down what are you happy about yourself. Yeah. You know, I don't want to know. I'm happy that I've got a house. I'm happy I've got 
a nice boyfriend or a girlfriend or I'm happy that I got a car. No, what are you happy for about you? Yeah. And 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 what and and the things that you do, do you like the things that you do? Uh, you know, I, I have a friend that said you'll never be happy if you're not happy. Mm. So, and I, I thought that was so funny because it's like, let's practice happiness, let's write things down about ourselves, things that we like about ourselves, qualities. I'm generous, I'm kind, I'm patient, I'm I'm peaceful, I'm you know, and reflect on the things that we like about ourselves and the things that we do for mm. ourselves and for others. Um, and then I, I would recommend taking regular breaks in the day. Uh, you know, this idea of just back-to-back -back working flat out, pushing yourself, um, very A-type sort of attitude. I know, you know, it's, it, people really think that it's like, this is like a badge of honor, you know, if you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, take regular breaks. I mean, this is very self-compassionate, very, very good for productivity, actually. All the science recommends that we take regular breaks. I, I recommend every 60 minutes to take a 10-minute move break or a breath break or, a, or a, a mindfulness break or a walk break. And then I would say set boundaries, boundaries, you know. Um, don't say yes to everything. Make sure that the things you say yes to, you really want to do. And you're not just saying yes for the sake of saying yes and making someone else happy. And there's an element of non-striving. Just give up trying to be the best. You know, yesterday I, I, I sent I sent a, a message out on social media. I'm doing a calendar for April, and it says, "Give up striving to be the best. Uh, practice the words I am enough." And you know, the response I got back was, "Yo, that's hard, eh? That's hard." Yeah. <laughs> give up trying to be the best you know let it go that's not self-compassionate yeah it, it's, it's a it, it, dr john cabotson who's the father of western mindfulness says you know give up give up trying to be the best just moving into a state of non-striving it's a mindful attitude mm. and and the paradox is you'll actually be better and you'll actually work better and you, the quality of your work will be better. Um, I came across these words recently. Uh, eat like you love yourself. Move like you love yourself. Speak like you love yourself. And act like you love yourself. I wow. love that. Wow, yeah. that is lovely. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, wow, those were some incredible tips that you've just given us. And I know at the student counseling unit, these are actually some of the techniques that we give our clients. So thank you so yeah. much. I'm quite familiar Great. with them. And I'm just hoping, you know, that okay. our listeners um, take those tips as well from you. And, you know, they um, just practice them in their lives. Um, and now just moving on to our next question. Um, as we speak on self-compassion. I just wanted to know from your perspective, how can self-compassion assist us with dealing with our mental health? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, thanks, Amanda. I, I grew up with a wonderful family. And I, unfortunately, when I, when I finished my teenage years, I watched my father sink into a deep depression. And, uh, after after that depression, he went into um, acute schizophrenia, 
which was extremely difficult to see a loved one really lose their mind sure. to that extent and then and then died of suicide um so that really always i mean that that's my passion i wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for my father yeah and my own struggles from that from from that day on with my mental health we come from a weird space in, in, in terms of Generation X. And I, I see the millennials are doing such a great job. But <laughs> the, the sort of older model is to keep everything locked up and put on a brave face and, uh, and suck it up and deal with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not very self-compassionate. Yes. It's, it's really not really self-compassionate. You know, we would say to my dad, we, we could see he was going through a tough time in his early stages of depression. We'd say, how are you? You know, how are you doing? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Mm. So, so there was this tendency not to be open. If I said you would, you know, check in with us. We didn't even know, like, what is this check-in thing that I just did? We just did one out of ten. Families don't do that. I mean, it, and, and, and this is weird. It's, it, it's I, I just thought, you know, we, we, we're so concerned about our physical health. If somebody isn't feeling well, indeed, we would take, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd look after them. We'd make sure they've hurt their knee or uh, take them to the doctor or, or attend to their wounds. But when it comes to the emotional state, we, we, don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to address it. We don't want to express ourselves about it. So I, I, I just think the bravest thing that we can do is actually ask for help. Um, and Charlie Maxey, uh, who, who wrote some beautiful work, says that asking for help is not giving up. It's refusing to give up. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I encourage people don't be shy to ask for help. And, and it's such a self-compassionate thing to do, you know, um, because you value yourself and, and it's a brave thing to do. If we understand we are the most important thing, you know, you, Amanda, are the most important thing to yourself yeah. and everybody is the most important thing to themselves. Mm. Our mental health is the most important thing and, and it, it's more important than our families, actually our mental health, our physical health. Because if we don't have our mental and physical health, how, how are we going to serve and be happy with our family? I mean, I can tell you what it was like living with an acute schizophrenic father. It was hell. You know, if, if, he, if he had good mental health, our family would be happy. But our family was, it was a disaster. So your mental health and your physical health is way more important than, than how you feel. You know, people say, I ask them, what is the most important thing? They say their family. Mm -hmm. I say, well, surely your, your health should come first. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we neglect our health. And ideally, we should be spending an hour a day focusing on our physical and mental health. But we don't. And, I, I, you know, we, we do all it takes to make sure that other people are well. But we, we often neglect ourselves. And we sacrifice our health for our boss our partner and our children. I mean, I, my clients, they work in the financial sector and they, they say, gosh, Mark, I've, I've been on back-to-back -back meetings. I'm, I'm exhausted. And I say, well, that's your own fault. You know, you need to set boundaries. You need to look after yourself. 
and, and we have to we have to fight for our rights. It's our human rights to 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 have those boundaries and to work the way we want to. I, I encourage people to spend a weekend away. Okay. I say to even close, even my sister, I say to her, listen, come away with me for the weekend on a retreat. Leave your family, leave your husband, just come with me. Come work on yourself, enjoy it, relax, practice mindfulness, do some yoga, whatever. She says, no, I can't. My, my family are too demanding. You know, that, that, you, we, that's, that's a mistake. We, we need to do things like this. And, and, you know, in our culture, exhaustion and burnout is seen as a badge of honor or a status symbol. And we, we hear it in our language. I'll ask you, how are you? And people say, I'm so busy. How are you? Yeah, I'm busy too. I mean, there it is, you know, we, we glorify being busy, but I, I'd, like to, I'd like to encourage that we don't just do something, we sit there instead of don't just sit there, do something. Yeah, thank so that's the, that's the key really for mental health. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for sharing your personal story with us as well, you know, walking us through that and some of your own challenges, you know, everybody's narrative is important and everybody's narrative has the ability you know to affect somebody's life in a positive way to know that you've gone through those difficult experiences when you're here with us today sharing yeah. that is, you know powerful thank you so much yeah. dealing with me our mental health is important and asking mm -hmm. for help is really the number one thing that's important right now and even in, yeah. even in therapeutic settings we're encouraged to remind clients that you know, you came today and you came at your own will. And that says, that speaks a lot about you, you know, um, about what you need and understanding your needs. And, you know, perhaps you may not know how to move mm -hmm. forward, but you're here today. And we always encourage a lot of our clients as you've spoken as well, you know. So thank you. No, absolutely. And, and I thank the listeners for being here because that you're also taking a massive step towards your own happiness and health and mental health by attending this session and, and for Amanda for making the space. I mean, it's, it's a healing space. It's a necessary space. It's not a, it's an essential space. We call it at mindful revolution and essential services for self. Mm. You know? um, and and, and, and we, 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 we run programs. It's called that. Thank so thank you. So we touched a bit on um, the inner critical voice um, in some of the questions you've you know, walked us through and the answers you've walked us through. So I was just wondering, you know, that yes, we may lack self-compassion when we are critical of ourselves. And we are now aware of that based on um, what you've taught us thus far. So I just wanted to know what is the inner critical voice and how does it affect our well-being? Well, as I said, I never thought I was a bully until I listened to her speak to myself. Um, and I think I owe myself an apology. <laughs> In December, Amanda, we, we, went, um, we went to the coast and there was a surfing instructor and my son went for a surfing lesson. And it was so awesome to see him stand up on the board. And I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, I wish I, I, wish I could surf. And I thought to myself, I, I, I'm going to book myself a surfing lesson. And then I caught myself saying, oh, Mark, you're too old. You're going to make a fool of yourself in front of everybody on the beach. You know, it's just not the right thing. Uh, maybe you're not flexible enough. 
you're probably not going to get it right. You know, I, I sort of found myself into this narrative and I, I caught myself and I was like, hey, Werner, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying to yourself? You know, and then I said, no, I'm going to definitely book a surfing lesson. Mm. Um, and I was kind of sad at, at those things, you know, that I was saying to myself. Unfortunately, Cyril uh, shut the beaches down that night, so I never got my chance. But uh, <laughs> but it's just it's just having what uh, Chad Mintang from Google, he, he's a the Google guru. He says that um, we can develop HD resolution of awareness, where where we can identify that inner voice and um, just identify that inner voice and then and then use daily mindfulness to to rewire the talk to to being kinder to being your own best friend you know to to talk to yourself like a loving grandparent or someone that loves you unconditionally um and 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 and, and in the mindfulness training we do we recognize that this inner voice is part of the subjective mind it, it's like a naughty little puppy you know, like a like a, a curious little doggy, and it sniffs and walks around and and it does its thing, and this is like you know autopilot mind. It's 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 really not very aware. It's very busy. It it likes distraction. It likes entertainment, and and if our um, meta awareness, as we say in in neuroscience, if that part of our mind isn't developed, the observer mind, then then this inner critic goes undetected. Okay, it, it it we we don't see it. And it's it's like a very subtle narrative that we listen to, but we're not identifying or seeing it. And and it's also a product of our society, this this um this inner critic voice. It's it's uh, advertising and media telling us that we're never good enough. Uh we we need to buy their product, you know, and then we'll be happy, you know. And 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 I I once took one of my Himalayan teachers into into a into a traditional church, and I mean I grew up as a as a Catholic, and I I, I said to the monk, he said to me, what are those rooms over there? I said those are confessionals. We 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 go there to confess our sins, and he said, oh very good, that's that's very good practice, you know. Mm. And he said, where are the rooms on the left hand side? I said, what rooms are those? He said, the rejoicingals. We are the rejoicingals. I said, what's that? He said, where you go and you, you tell the, the, the priest about all the good things that you do. I said, no, we don't have that. So in our, in our culture, in our societies, we, we often reflect on what's wrong with us or we're encouraged to look at what's wrong with us. But very seldom have we ever been taught to, to look at what's right with us. And that inner critic has been beautifully crafted from all these different influences as we've been growing up through our life. And our poor parents and influences didn't know any better themselves. But the good news is we now understand through, through modern psychology and mindfulness that we can do something about it, that we can rewire our brain. Thank you. So now Thanks. we know what that inner critical voice is. But I wonder why are some of us vulnerable when it comes to this particular factor, the critical voice? I guess it's really, we think it's pride. It's ego. You know, we, 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 we think that, well, if, if we're going to look at, our, uh, at, at, this, at this inner voice 
and we think to ourselves, gee, I, I like the fact that I'm kind, that I'm generous, I'm loving, I'm patient, I'm resilient. You know, and people often say to me, that's egotistical, that's pride. And we're often made to feel ashamed and vulnerable, to feel good about ourselves. Um, I think vulnerability these days in the work of Brene Brown is seen as a strength and not as a weakness. But many are struggling with that fact too. A lot of people, when I say the word vulnerable, they go, oh, that's not a good word. So we, we are, we are rebranding or, or reimagining what mental health could look like. You know, my, my father, uh, when he was sick, he, he was, people said it was like an evil spirit or, or that mental illness is a weakness. And it's just a terrible stigma that we have to dismantle as part of the, this um, mindful revolution and, and to stand in your vulnerability and your truth. I think that's very important. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. And so when we're trying to deal with our pain, the self-compassion model advises us to practice kindness to ourselves by tapping into the nurturing world. So you've touched on this a bit where you speak on treating ourselves with the mm -hmm. same compassion we would treat others, our families, and our friends. So how can this nurturing world yeah. help us to transform negative yeah. self-talk? Well, <laughs> You know, I often think it's like an angel on your shoulder, um, you know, the angel and the devil, <laughs> uh, you know, and what you practice grows stronger. Um, and according to neuroscience and neuroplasticity, what we say to ourselves actually changes the shape of our brain. Um, I, used to, I, I was meditating for seven years in, in monasteries and in the Himalayas, but I didn't realize that, that when I was meditating, I was actually speaking badly to myself. Every time my mind was wandering off the object of meditation, I would say to myself, you're crazy. You can't do this. This is not for you. And until I learned a technique of self-compassion that every time my mind wandered, I would congratulate myself for noticing. Mm. Say, well done, Mark, for noticing that your mind has wandered off your breath or your body scan or whatever. Gently bring it back and congratulations. You know, and that is a rewiring process. Um, you know, a neuroscientist Rick Hansen tells us that our brains are like Teflon for positive experiences and Velcro for negative. <laughs> so so we, we quite easily beat ourselves up because that's our that's our default um, narrative. But but it takes work to to rewire our brain, and that's why we we use mindfulness. To every time you go off the object, congratulate yourself for noticing and come back. Okay. You know, and Bruce Lee, a lovely quote: "Don't speak negatively about yourself, even as a joke. Mm -hmm. Your body doesn't know the difference. Words are energy and cast spells. That's mm -hmm. why they call it spelling. Change the way you speak about yourself, and you change your life." What you are not changing, you are also choosing. That was from uh, Bruce Lee, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, that's, quite, um, that's quite interesting, you know, that how I'm identifying with mm -hmm. that is that I have to identify um, that negative voice or that critical voice. Yeah. And when I, I think identifying yeah. it is the first step and I just need to congratulate myself for identifying it first. Yes. Um, and I think absolutely, so, yeah, we're so focused on moving on so quickly instead of just applauding ourselves for the first step, perhaps. Correct. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So that's helpful. Thank you. So we are aware that self-care and self-compassion coexist, 
and they assist with mental health. So would you describe self-care as external and self-compassion as more internal? Yeah, I think self-compassion is regarding yourself compassionately and self-care is treating yourself compassionately. Okay. So there's a difference there. Yeah. Um, people can practice self-care without having self-compassion. Mental health is like an inside job, like brushing teeth is an act of self-care, um, but one must first have the motivation to look after dental health, you know, okay. and so that's, that's really how I see it. Mm. Yes, indeed, that is so true. And while yeah. both can contribute positively, um, which between self-care and self-compassion contributes to the inner voice? But I think you've answered this, you know, by saying self-compassion. Yeah. Important, and that yeah. contributes to the inner supportive voice. Yeah, I think by regarding ourselves positively and treating ourselves as so, we contribute both ways to support our inner voice, yes. uh, our inner supportive voice. Yeah. Thank you for that. And in dealing with stigmas around mental health, how can self-compassion help us to be accepting of mental illness in others and ourselves? I love this, you know, learning just to throw ourselves a bone of self-compassion actually increases our resilience and stability. So when you have that security blanket of self-compassion, you feel like you can take more risks, come out of the box and be more creative. We understand that ill mental health is just the same as having the flu or a broken arm. We can have a duvet day and, and not lie about it, you know. And, and so many people, you know, that five out of six employees in South Africa lie about taking leave due to their mental health, mm. you know. So, so there's a gross inacceptance. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, and, you know, with self-compassion, you learn that if you do fail, it doesn't mean that you're a complete failure as a human being. It just means that you screwed up on one thing. Yeah. Like if you have a bad day, you know, if one thing turns into a whole bad day. Um, and I find that people that have more self-compassion find it easier to apologize and admit they've done something wrong when they've made a mistake. And their sense of self-respect isn't threatened because they don't intrinsically see themselves as a bad person or a failure. If, if, if someone doesn't have self-compassion, they usually get furious if you point out an area like a mistake because mm -hmm. it stokes up their feelings of not being good enough. Yeah. So... So self-compassion is a strength, you know, it's a, it's a power. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's vital in, in, in transforming mental illness uh, into, into resilience and, and, and mental fitness. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And so you've touched a bit on resiliency. So how can resiliency assist students with ongoing challenges that may be academic and personal? Um, mm -hmm. We've tapped into that. And I just wondered, can you share with our listeners how resiliency and self-compassion practices can benefit them? You know what? Re just remember that your best doesn't mean pushing yourself to your breaking point. Yeah. Your best means the best you can do while being the best you. Um, and, and, and that's get enough sleep. Give yourself lots of breaks. Listen to your limits. Your best is better when you are happy and healthy. What and, and you can face those challenges, you know, and that is real resilience. Resilience is not about pushing on through or hurting yourself. Yeah. It's really about being the best you and, and set those boundaries, have the courage to love yourself even when we risk disappointing others. You know, when you fly in an airplane, the, 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 the air steward or hostess says, 
the oxygen mask falls down, secure it on your face before you put it on somebody else. Make sure you're okay first. You can't help anybody if, if, you, if you're not okay. So take more breaks. Give up on trying to be perfect. Know, know how the brain works to get the best out of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. And now we're in a time, we're in the COVID-19 pandemic, and we've all had to make adjustments, and we've all had to transition to this here and now. And I was wondering, how can we support ourselves and each other during this time while responding compassionately as we adapt to this new normal? Yeah, I think just simply we can, we can just check in more with ourselves, ask mm. ourselves regularly, how am I doing? Mm. Understand our, our emotional internal landscape and check in with yourself regularly. Uh, check in with others regularly. You know, I mean, we're, we're all online most of the time and there's a disconnect. So checking in with myself, I know today I can do this and that or I can't do this and that. And then put up boundaries, non-striving, whatever I need to do today to, to, to practice self-compassion. But it starts with checking in. How am I feeling today? What do I need to do today? Yeah. And and then if I can, I, I can extend myself to you and and put your oxygen, help you with your oxygen mask, you know. But for me, quite simply, Amanda, it's really starting point during this pandemic time and being compassionate is just to check in regularly. Yeah, that's a very good um, tip, you know, and it may sound simple, but I know there's a lot of focus on the physical Im negative impact of the pandemic on everybody else. Yeah. Um, and we're not trying to take away uh, with um, why people would be so focused on that. But I think if anything, sure. we just need to realize that this has happened to all of us. And it's also here to remind us that to prioritize our mental health, to prioritize our mental well-being, you know? So I think it's yeah. a good statement to just wake up or on a daily, try to ask yourself, find some time to ask yourself, how am I feeling today? And what you want yeah. to do with this feeling? Yeah. And journaling is really a key essential tool for that. Just writing down what, you know, and I, I journal uh, three, four times a day. I open yeah. my, my app or my book and I, I write down, you know, where am I right now? To identify that, to, 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 to build on that introspection. Oh, thank you so much. So we've reached the most exciting part of our podcast today. Um, yeah. So Mr. Mark Joseph, please take us through a brief mindfulness exercise. I most certainly will. Thank you so much, Amanda. Right, here we go. Uh, mindfulness is, let's, it's first about sitting in a, in a good posture. So, um, but it's okay if you want to lie down and do this, it's also okay i guess whether you're sitting in a chair making sure your back is straight with your feet firmly on the ground and your hands in your lap or on your knees if you're lying on your bed or on a mat that's fine nice and comfortable make sure you're warm let's take in a lovely deep breath breathing in through the nose and gently sigh the breath out the mouth Coming now to a normal breath and just checking in with yourself. How am I today? One out of 10. What is your number? One being, oh, I'm really low and 10 being, I'm pretty high. 
we can ask ourselves and others this question regularly. Bring awareness into your feet. Yeah, your feet. We can reflect on where our feet have taken us, your journey. And we can feel a sense of gratitude and compassion for our feet. It's okay to smile at your legs and say that you stood up for many things. Recognize that some days it was hard to stand and you got up anyway. Feel the contact with your seat or the ground underneath you. Be aware of that contact. Bring your mind and your body into that together, synchronized. Reflect that when you were weak and tired, you sat down or you lay down. And to know that it's okay to say to others that I'm tired and I need a break. Move awareness into your back. How's your back feeling today? You may have been told that you need a strong backbone, but sometimes it's fine to relax your stance and let go of always being so strong. Moving awareness into your stomach. How is your stomach feeling today? They say that your gut feelings are felt more when you are open and vulnerable. When you feel butterflies in your stomach, you can soften and know that this could be a time to be vulnerable. And I can speak from a place of how I'm feeling, feeling in my body. My body can teach me how to be vulnerable. Move awareness into your chest and breathe. Take a big breath. Feel the chest expand and exhale, contract. Breathe again. Open your heart to the world. But choose wisely to whom and see it as a strength and a way to connect with others' hearts. Being aware of your shoulders, your arms, and your hands. Your hands have nurtured, have caressed, have built, have typed, have planted, have wiped away tears. Open your hands now and just feel the strength of them being open. of you being more open. Relax your hands. Relax your jaw. Let go. Stop clenching so much. 
put a smile on your lips. We can be joyful and vulnerable. I can use my words to express my truth. What we smell, hear, and see. Can we experience words and images and consider the vulnerabilities of others and what they say to give them space to be open and not make them feel closed? And we end off with an affirmation. You can put your hand on your heart. I'm going to give myself a break. I'm going to show myself kindness. I'm going to be patient with myself. I'm opening up to being more joyful. I'm okay with being or exploring my mental health in stillness. And I'm ready to offer myself something beneficial, a present of being in the present. Let's breathe in once again, deeply through the nose. Filling those lungs. And gently sigh the breath out the mouth. And opening your eyes. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Wow, that was lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for today. My pleasure. For sharing this valuable information with us. Um, listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, or if you have any comments, on how we can improve, please send an email to the student counseling at up.ac.za with your feedback under the subject heading Self-Compassion Podcast. Look out for more exciting podcast episodes throughout the year. If you're experiencing any mental health difficulties, remember help is available. Stay connected to others and reach out for help. Talk to someone close to you whom you trust or contact the student counseling unit. You can also contact the 24-hour UPK line on 0800-747-747. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Mark, for today. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast, Amanda. It's just been so great for me to be here with you, and your questions have been so profound and beautiful. And I've, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling very happy about, uh, about this session. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for welcoming the opportunity. Take care.